Hey, what's up, guys? It's your boy Feño. This is the Early Print Podcast coming at you on Tuesday, 16th. And uh, we have a pay per view this week. And as you guys know, the full preview is coming out later this week. I try to, to have it out tomorrow or Thursday. But we'll still talk about the pay per view a little bit. So we're here to recap last week. And once again, we have a bunch, a fucking bunch of fight announcements, and some of them are very interesting. So let's not waste time. Uh, the UFC had its first event of the year, a clear, uh, typical Apex event. It was Ankalaev versus Johnny Walker 2. The main event saw Magomed Ankalaev fighting Johnny Walker on the rematch after Ankalaev need uh, Johnny Walker in the head the, the other time illegally. And the fight was weirdly stopped. Uh, Walker started the fight very aggressive, doing his dynamic big movements. Uh, Clive just mostly like staying safe, not doing anything dumb. People were commenting like, "Oh, look, Clive is not able to do anything." And yeah, I think it's it's like he was doing the right thing. It was clear that Walker uh, wasn't going to be able to do that for 25 minutes. So Clive was like just staying safe, figuring out. And Walker then uh, stopped doing his all the bullshit, and then he was like moving on the outside, trying to leg kick. Ankalaev not doing a a great uh, work of pressuring for most of the fight, but he was out leg kicking Johnny Walker, who landed some very solid leg kicks early on. But then Ankalaev started to check. I think the ability. Uh, Ankalaev has to check uh, is a bit underrated because he has been like calf kick a few times but if you remember like he injured Anthony Smith with a check and he has been checking kicks a lot and he also has been decent at, at kicking, uh, checking middle kicks with high checks and cross checks so he does some cool stuff sometimes with that he has been kickable in the past don't get me wrong he has had trouble with Jan Blachowicz and most notably against um, Nikita Krylov, which was very surprising when Akalaev had to like turn the fight around because he was losing early. Akalaev uh, here catches Johnny Walker off like a break or some thort, sorts, uh, lands like a, like a loopy left hand, I think, and puts him just fucking out. And Johnny Walker has this insane ability of going out in the more in the most cartoonish way possible. Like, yeah, I mean, some people saying Johnny Walker should move up to heavyweight. I think that should be fine. I mean, he's fucking huge. He, he could probably put on some good size, especially now without uh, Usada. Usada, however you say that. Um, he can get on some good juice and put on some, like, 10 pounds. He doesn't need to put on match. He's fucking enormous. So yeah, I mean, good for him. And Kalaev probably next for a title shot, but who knows whatever happens between Jiri and Rakish. If Rakish somehow gets like a very impressive win, I could see him like uh, stealing the spotlight just because he's fighting in such a big pay-per-view. Co-main event saw Jim Miller versus Gabriel Benitez. And the kicks of Benitez have me a little, a little bit worried about Jim Miller, as I said. Uh, I think uh, kicking old guys has been very consistent in getting wins uh but but no i mean jim miller here looked fantastic and benitez i was concerned too because he has been looked a bit shot lately and yeah the trend continues and jim miller you gotta trust jim miller because he has been looking great lately 
Um, Jim Miller here doing a, a great job of like uh, answering leg kicks with his own leg kicks, but flooring uh, like finishing like Dutch style with a whipping leg kick to the to the thigh. Uh, Dean, Th Dean Thomas was saying that Jim Miller probably should have gone to the calf. I do not agree, especially with that whipping style of leg kicks. You do a lot more damage um, up, and it's harder to check to um, if you like telegraph a big calf kick and you get checked. That's very dangerous. That's how you break your shin. I mean, he could have done so, but this idea that calf kicks are always superior to to thigh kicks, I do not agree with. Um, thigh kicks still have a place, they are very effective and have been very effective for so many years, uh, not only in MMA, but more so in kickboxing. And also in Muay Thai, to a lesser degree, just because everyone is so good at defending them. But we're saying like big like kick performance in, in one, two, in one Muay Thai, where it encourages more aggressive style, and they do not have the the scoring criteria that traditional might have, but yeah, getting back on track, Jim Miller just fantastic, getting the face crank uh, after taking the back, I mean, just great. Uh, I think he didn't take much damage, so I think it's probable that we see good old Jim Miller on UFC 300. Hopefully he wins there because he deserves that. Uh, some rumors about him fighting Matt Brown, not sure the Miller wins that one, probably, maybe, and because he's a southpaw. Um, but yeah, that fight would be fantastic. Uh, I, I would watch uh, either way. Love both guys, Jim Miller and Matt Brown. Before that, we have Mario Bautista versus Ricky Simone in what was probably the highest level fight of the night. Bautista here looking great, uh, keeping his streak of looking just so solid. MMA Lab has this... Um, just creates very solid, well put together fighters uh, in a very different molds too. Like we had uh, McGee earlier in the card, he comes from MMA Lab. Um, Shannon Mali is a pretty well put together fighter, to be honest. Uh, Kyler Phillips is like the guy that is not like super like coherent, but he's still like skilled everywhere. They have this ability to, to make these skilled fighters that are able to compete everywhere. And I think that's that's great. Uh, O'Malley a bit more of a specialist uh, in the camp, but still, like you can see some elements of MMA Lab into O'Malley's style. And uh, yeah, Mario here looked great, uh, denying uh, Ricky Simons, who who did not have very good setups to his takedowns. And Bautista have consistently been turning into a very strong wrestler. Uh, Simone is still the stronger wrestler of the two, I would say, but Bautista, with the setups, with the positioning, he was able to get the upper hand there, and then my problem with Bautista is that he's well-rounded to a fault, uh, he's a bit of a jack-of-all-trades, and not 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 so much that, but the thing that Bautista that he buys and tries to do everything, when sometimes I feel he would be more effective if he, he would focus in the areas that he's getting the most success in. He's very game, he's, he likes to compete everywhere, be the clinch, going for takedowns, striking. But yeah, Bautista is a, is a handful. Uh, you, got, you need to go very high in the division to find someone to, to trouble him. Uh, I'm high on him, I've I been mean for, a, for a good while already. He's been looking great. Uh, Simon, uh, second loss in a, 
in a row. This one is tough for him. I hope he rebounds. Uh, didn't look too great, to be honest. Maybe a change of caps or something. Uh, Ricky needs to to find uh, to find a better process. I think uh, Ricky is also a guy that tends to. It's not that Ricky doesn't know what he wants to do. I think the tools that he has are a bit disjointed at times. I think like he likes to move forward and pressure, but he relies a lot on going into defensive mode. Uh, he has like decent hit movement, but he doesn't have good counter. So he goes on the back foot, he concedes space, he stops attacking. So it's kind of easy to dissuade the pressure on that, on that front. Uh, he has some good... Uh, take down entries when he puts his hands together, but but doesn't really have like a consistent boxing output to to find the constant shots. Uh, the the gas tank of Ricky is very impressive. I think he tired here in the third round, but the pace here was insane and he was failing a lot of takedowns. So I think he could probably afford to box a little bit more from a closer range. I think. But yeah, I mean, Ricky Simon did not look bad here, just like Bautista was a bad matchup, and, and honestly, he was better on this night. Uh, before that, we have Bruno Ferreira against Phil Hoss. Um, I don't know what's going on with Phil Hoss, man. But it's... just He just looks solid every time, and then he just dies. It's so weird. Ferreira here, look at... Kind of impressive with the... I mean, he physically, he's very strong at the wrestling shops. Did not look too bad. Um, Phil Hall, to his credit, uh, defended well. And he, when he was got taken down, he was like patient and looking for spots to get up. But then, but then during prolonged exchanges, Phil Hall like just checks out. He doesn't have the mind to because he he just looks so good at times, and then he just like is not there. Like he just freezes, get gets hit super hard, doesn't see the shots coming. Like. It's it's rough, man. Uh, Phil Hall's probably getting caught here. Uh, too bad because when Phil Hall has put on good performances, he has looked very very good, especially for middleweight. I was rooting for him. It's it was kind of sad. Uh, Waldo Cortez Acosta for Andrei Arlovsky. Uh I've always hated uh, Waldo. <laughs> he was always super annoying to me. A lot of showboating in super mid fights. And then he, on his last fight before this one, he had like a cool knockout. And I was like, okay, maybe I've been, I, I've been, I have been too rough with Waldo. After all, he has like a decent jab. Uh, he's trying to put it together. But no, man. Fuck Waldo Cortez Acosta. <laughs> he's like an okay heavyweight. And beating Arlovsky still means something, sadly, in 2024. But, yeah, I mean, Cortez, I cannot support. He's so fucking annoying. He's so fucking annoying. Uh, it, this, this ain't the issue. No, get out of here. Get out of here. Do, do not put Waldo Cortez Acosta in cards, please. And now he's like a, a legit ranked heavyweight, because heavyweight, of course, is so fucking bad. Oh, my God. Uh, Preston Parsons beat Matthew Semmelsberger. Parsons, to his credit, put on like the best performance of his career. He looked very solid here. And Semmelsberger is just not there anymore mentally. And not to take take away from Parsons' victory, I, I think Parsons looked like a good fighter in here. And Semmelsberger wasn't like completely lost, but you can tell like Semmelsberger is also like just vibes too much during fights, doesn't know what to do, doesn't have a process. 
has some skills everywhere, but they are very disjointed. He doesn't have consistent output. And and the defense is just like getting worse, actually. Um yeah, the this like I think it's the confidence. He's like starting to doubt himself in fights and when you're a losing streak that that just gets worse and worse as time goes on. So yeah, I mean Semosberger probably getting cut. Um Parsons who I thought was going to get caught if he lost here, like put on a good performance, putting it together with good dirty boxing, finding some good openings. Uh, the scrambling was great. I uh, was very surprised to, to to learn that Parsons does not have a wrestling uh, background because he's a very good, not very good, he's a good wrestler. He's a good wrestler with good scrambling in the mat. He's solid. Uh, yeah, Parsons looks solid here. Good for him. And Salzberger, time to regroup. Uh, maybe... Also, like change camps, I don't know, but maybe like even move up to middleweight, like put on some size, move up to middleweight. Like you need to to change something. If something is not clicking. Marcus Magib had like the showcase performance of the night against Gaston Bolaños. Uh, just very cool. I made a, a Twitter thread if you want, if you guys want to check it out, if you haven't already, about the some performances of the of the prelims. And yeah, this one was like the most impressive. Marcus McGee just like doing a lot, a, a lot of good job of like pulling Bolaños into counters, like just fainting close into the range. And when Bolaños was about to kick, just disengaging, just frustrating him into closing the distance like wildly, and then just countering very well with the check hook, putting his hands together. McGee actually a dexterous puncher. I was surprised with his combination punching here, uh, combination punching. Uh, his his footwork solid. He was solid all around and even when he was getting hit, he was making sure to, he was like, what position with his feet set, he was returning fire uh, hard. And and when Bolaños like started ignoring the feints, McGee was not shy about uh, leaving and putting hands together himself without a counter opportunity, with, which I thought was a great look like. McGee is fantastic. Uh, I'm a fan of this dude. And another MMA lab uh, alum here. I'm not sure how much MMA Lab is getting very big. I I know some guys like do not train together. I I I know Kyler Phillips and O'Malley training together for sure. I I've heard O'Malley talk about Mario Bautista in the past, but not sure to which extent they these guys train together. But the camp still very solid from back from the days from Rick Story and Benson Henderson. And then they have like Barbarina and now this like crop of of Bantamweights that are insane. Like they have four, <laughs> is Phillips still ranked? They have four. I mean, McGee's not ranked, but he's on the way there. Like for sure, MMA lab to watch out for this year. Uh, Farid Bacharat for Taylor Lapilus. Bacharat here confirms my theory that he's not as good of a striker as his brother Javid. But but Farid, for uh, to his credit, has his own game put together. He's not as good with the hands, but he's. I was very impressed with his ability to mix kicks and the wrestling and using the kicks to hide penetration steps, to hide shifts, uh, to close the distance. And Lapidus here showed like good defensive wrestling technically, but tactically I think he made some mistakes. Uh, the upright stance and that goes to the credit of Basharat as well because he was kicking to stand him up. But also Lapilus, a lot of high guard and a lot of counters that give opportunity to someone like Farid, who has a, an insane gas tank to just duck on their time and time again to go takedowns. And then when 
the Shade Wrestling just started working eventually. Uh, very solid stuff for the Basharats with the wrestling. They're at Extreme Couture, one of the best gyms right now. Uh, Lapilus here looks solid. It was a close fight. I think Basharat would just want this one in strength of his output and some like cleverness in mixing the, the kicks and the wrestling. So it was a good fight. Uh, before this, we had two fights where some lanky dudes got fucking spanked. <laughs> We had Jan Silva beating the shit out of Westin Wilson. Uh, Westin Wilson, I'm not very familiar with his game, but I think he's a grappler of sorts. Jan Silva was clanking this dude with, uh, with the lead uh, left hook over the top. Westin Wilson could not see that shit coming and the dude could not hide behind his shoulder. He was getting cracked. Uh, that was the story of the fight, really. Nico Asmoda for Tom Nolan. Tom Nolan, who come, came here with huge hype because he's a, another one of these funky, lanky fox that are like eight feet tall fighting at lightweight. And he's a big hitter, too. Like, Tom Nolan is not bad. He's solid. I mean, he's not that good either because Nico Asmoda fucking spanked him here. <laughs> Nico Asmoda did a pretty good job of just, like, uh, answering the kicks with kicks. Uh, every entry of Tom Nolan was answered with the wide left hook of Mota, that is his best punch by far. And then for the for the finishing sequence, uh, Nolan tried to close distance. He got met with the check hook, and before and behind that, Mota found a beautiful like a straight right that put him down. And then solid round up and for the finish. Good for Nicolas Mota. I mean. He's all about though, he dies, he lives and dies by the left hook, but he's fun to watch, he's athletic, he's powerful. I mean, it's alright. And Tom Nolan, I'm sure, I don't like it, but I'm sure he will rebound from here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, not as easy to do the, the I'm just super long and I like to close distance in the UFC as... <laughs> because Wesley Wilson and Tom Nolan both, despite being the, like, the longer dudes, were trying to close distance to put the hands together and they were getting fucking smashed for it. The opening fight uh, saw Joshua Ban against Felipe Bunes. Uh, Bunes, who is a big puncher, has some cool, cool tricks uh, on the feet, and he's also a, a solid grappler. But uh, he, uh, Ban just put in on his toes, and he was like super, super eager to back up to the fence. And I knew he was not going to win the fight like that, even though he won the first round. Joshua Ban, we can safely say that he's a bit of a slow starter. But but yeah, when Ban gets going, uh, defensively, he's not all that. He depends a lot on like managing distance, being athletic to move in and out. But what he makes up for is with the creativity, attacking guys against the cage, with body work, with, elf, with elbows over the high guard. Uh, head kicks to punish the high guard. I love those, by the way. Uh, very cool stuff. Like, Joshua Ban is one of the best prospects in the sport right now, I would say. He's not ready to fight, like, top five competition. I think the defensive flaws that he has are still, like, too glaring right now to fight the elite. But he's uh, he has the athleticism, he has the cardio, he has the power, and he has the, the offensive uh, variety and technique and mind, so I think, yeah, Joshua Ban just very solid and gets better as if I go on. Very excited to see uh, what happens with him in the future. Let's talk shortly about uh, the pay-per-view, which obviously I'll talk in more detail about in the, in the full preview podcast. 
but yeah, we have Strickland versus Duplessis. Uh, this is going on at Canada, so we have a lot of Canadian fighters. Um, the co-main event uh, is Raquel Rocky Pennington against Mayra Bonosilva. Uh, I'm guessing no one is excited about this one, but I think it's going to be a good scrap. Mayra Bonosilva has been very solid. Um, Pennington, I, I think people write off Rocky because she looks so bad in that Amanda Nunes fight. But I think that was somewhat of a, like a Shogun case against Bones where she got like probably confused pretty bad early in the fight. And she was not herself for the rest of the fight. And Amanda Nunes kick her ass. I thought if you run that fight again, uh, maybe Amanda wins again. But I think Rocky looks better than she looked there. Uh, Rocky, like, not super athletic, but she's physical. She's game. And Myra is, like, athletic, a big hitter. But she will have to deal with uh, Rocky being on her face. I think this has the potential to be a good fight. Unless, like, Bueno Silva just walks over her, which, which would still be cool. So, I mean, I, I'm okay with this fight. I'm okay with this fight. And, and if Myra wins, like, she becomes, like, this legit champion after, like, winning that fight against Holly Holm very impressively, which was torn into a no contest, but no one cares because it was, like, Adderall or something. That's something that she needs for ADHD. By the way, ADHD gang, stand up. We're here. We're present. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all right. I won't complain. Uh, I know it's, like, the meme, like, oh, women's ban away, the worst division of all time, and, like... No. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe not. Like, Myra Bonosilva is for sure, like, better than most heavyweights. Like, is Myra Bonosilva better than Sergei Pavlovich? I would say yes, for sure. <laughs> we have Neil Magny versus Mike Malot. Uh, the Canadians love their guy, Mike Malot, and the UFC, I think it's seen some potential here. Uh, Magny is finally starting to look old, I think. And... But this is a still a test for Malod, who I don't think is as good as Ian Gary. So, but he packs big power and and he's like a long guy. Well, there's Malod's probably the favorite here, but I wouldn't be surprised if Magni just bullshits a clinch heavy win, just like he always does. Uh, but yeah, I mean Malod probably going to win here, but we'll talk about. On detail later, I just give like first impressions of the fight. Uh, Chris Curtis versus Mark Mark Andre Barriot. I like a lot. This one is going to be action. This one is going to be exciting. This one will have like greediness, technique. It has a bit of everything. One of the best like action mashups that you can make at middleweight. I support this fight. I like it. And it's like extreme couture versus Killcliff is like a thing right now at middleweight. So so it's it's one of those. Um, Chris Curtis obviously riding high of seeing his, his teammate Chance Strickland uh, being the champion and fighting on the same card. So these guys are probably getting ready together. I think we can expect uh, Chris Curtis to look very good here. Um, very old for his, to his credit, has looked fantastic uh, in his last two. Um, so yeah, I mean, this one is going to be a war, most likely. Arnold Allen versus Ibloyev. Maybe the the technical high point of the card. I'm very excited about this one. We'll see if Ibloyev, who is a bit, uh, I wouldn't say undersized, but smaller than most guys in the division, how, how he deals with Allen, who is a big boy, 
uh, very strong too, but not that good of a wrestler. So we'll see if Ibloyev can like put him down. Uh, on the feet, Ibloyev has some cool ideas, but Allen is an annoying southpaw that throws very hard. And Allen also has some craft despite uh, throwing so wild at times. Uh, I'm not trying to sell Allen as this like sloppy slugger. Uh, Allen is a good striker, it's just that. Uh, Ivloyev, if he gets the jab going, he might trouble Allen. If he, if Ivloyev can get the jab going, which kind of hard against uh, the southpaw, as we know, and if he can find like the single legs and transition there to his chain wrestling, this could be this could get very interesting. Uh, Brad Katona is fighting Garrett Arnfield at uh, bantamweight. Uh, Katona, after winning one of the best fights of the year against Cody Gibson, he's fighting Garrett Arnfield here. Uh, very exciting fight. Arnfield looked great in his last fight against Toshiomi Kasama. And he looks solid on his debut against David Onama, who is a fucking enormous uh, 145er. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, not an easy debut for Katona. This one, if Katona fights like anything like he did in his last fight, this one is going to be super exciting. Uh, so, yeah, I'm pumped about this. And if Katona tries to wrestle, like, still, Arnfield is probably not, like, uh, a walk in the park for a, for a grabber. Uh, Onama obviously uh, submitted him, but Onama is fucking huge, so we'll see. Shard Jordan is fighting Shang Woodson. Very exciting action fight at 145. We'll see Jordan br bringing the aggression. Woodson uh, being super lanky, going to the body. We'll see if he gets the combinations together. I'm expecting Jordan here to be very aggressive with the kicks on this one, kicking the legs, kicking the body of Sean Woodson. Sean Woodson would be like well advised to pressure here, uh, trying to find these long combinations against the cage. And, and both guys with wicked guillotines. So, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fun one. We have a rematch from Contender Series, uh, Seri City versus Ramon Taveras the second. I know, no, it's Ramon Taveras, and this this is the second time that they fight. No fucking idea what why these guys are fighting here. Um, I mean, Sidi uh, is a Canadian, but I don't know if there was like any controversy or what in their Contender Series fight. I have to watch tape, but I don't. I don't even know who these guys are. Gillian Robertson is fighting Poliana Viana. Interesting. This is going to play out like a striker versus grappler. Uh, Poliana Viana is like a solid guard player, but I do not expect her to accomplish much against Gillian Robertson. So, yeah, it's either Robertson like getting the takedowns, getting top position and winning, which she's very solid at, or Viana just like landing the bigger shots on the feet because she has like big power. It's a good, a solid matchup. We have Johan Linus versus Sam Patterson. I do not remember Sam Patterson a lot. Uh, Linus is, it's like exciting. So we'll see. Jasmine just to the Vicious is fighting Priscilla Cachoeira. And yeah, I'm guessing just to the Vicious just wins this one. Like, just to the Vicious beat the, beat the crap out of Miranda Maverick who beat the crap out of Cachoeira, so if you want your MMA math, you have it You have it there. Malcolm Gordon is fighting Jimmy Flick in the opening fight. Uh, this one is probably going to be exciting. Both guys coming with their backs against the wall, coming on two straight losses. Um, both are very good uh, 
a scrambler. So excited to see what's going on on the on the floor. Uh, Flick probably the Flick probably the better the better striker of the two. But Gordon is like wild and he can find like some good setups uh, with to his wrestling being kind of on, on unorthodox. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, the pay per view is mostly fine. Uh, the main event is weird uh, that we have this fight, but it's like a legit championship fight. Uh, make make out of that whatever you you think is fair. Let's get into some fight announcements and let's get out of here. Uh, Mohamed Usman is fighting Chris Barnett in a hilarious like, uh, contrast of physics here, but I think it's a, a solid fight uh, because yeah, I mean Barnett is a big dude. Uh, very heavy, so how easy to wrestle is this going to be? I'm not sure. Uh, Usman packs power on the feet, obviously, but but and Usman is not that big, man. Here, Usman could very easily be a like heavyweight if he lost some of the of the fluff that he carries, and obviously Barnett the same. But Barnett is just like a fat guy. Like Usman is like carrying a lot of mass, and he's not that heavy. He's like two thirty, I think. And Barnett is like over 270, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it could be interesting, just wanted to talk about this one because it's kind of funny. Uh, Sung Wu Shoi is fighting Morgan Charrier. Uh, this one is going to be fire, most likely. Uh, Charrier was very entertaining in his debut in UFC fans. And the uh, Korean Sung Wu Shoi has been uh, action guaranteed in his UFC career so far, so... So yeah, this one is going to be good and interesting to see because Shoy is a very large dude and I think Charrier is not that big. Uh, Nur Sultan Rusi Boyev is fighting Cedricus Dumas. Uh, a lot of people are very excited about Rusi Boyev after his debut. Um, this one should be an easy win for him. But Dumas is like, as a grappler, is where he's the strongest, I think. I mean, more, most technical. And he's an athletic dude, I don't know. He could surprise, but I'm expecting like Rusi Boyev to just walk over him. Uh, Tai Tuivasa is fighting Martin Tibura. Uh, funny that this has never happened. Um, I think Tuivasa is maybe one of the guys in the division that had like not high level guys uh, that has a decent shot at beating Tibura just because he's like super game and has like a bit of skills in the clinch. Hits very hard. Uh, but if Taibura starts wrestling him, it could be game over for Tuivasa. So I think this is good matchmaking. Shab Brady is fighting Vicente Luque. Uh, it's a main event. I do not support this. Like, Brady is going to get like most likely a, an easy win here. Uh, I, I don't have much faith in Luque anymore. Uh, I, that sucks because uh, Luque one of my favorites. But... But yeah, I mean, Brady looked very, very solid against uh, Kelby Gastelum. And I think that they're just looking to to give him, like, move him up the ranks. Maybe the UFC likes him, I don't know. But I mean, Brady's still, like, not great on the feet. And and Luke has that Dars. So there's there's some some stuff in there. Uh, Davison Figueredo is finally going to fight Cody Garbrandt. They're fighting at 135. Uh, a lot of people are just saying, like, Figueredo by murder. Like, maybe. It's possible. But I wouldn't be surprised if Cody, like, flatlines him either. Figueredo has been getting more fragile. 
And Cody Garbrandt still can crack as he's showing his last fight. He's still super fast. Both guys will be insanely quick inside the pocket, so it's going to be dangerous. And I feel like Cody has like a cleaner footwork and will probably outposition uh, Fioredo early in their exchanges. But if the exchanges uh, start to prolong, I think I would trust Fioredo more there. But who knows? Uh, Fioredo like was very willing to grapple against Font, and I don't think that's going to be super viable against Garbrandt. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an exciting fight, um, and it would be like a big rebound. I mean, obviously, Figueredo coming off a big win, both guys coming off big wins, but yeah, it's like moving forward in their careers after like being written off. I think this one is kind of big, like not super important for the division, but it's big for both guys' careers, and they're both like stars, former champions. I think it's a good fight, it's an spectacle. This is UFC 300, and I'm completely fine with this fight being there. Ignacio Bahamondes, uh, my countryman, is fighting Christos Giagos. Interesting to see if, if Bahamondes can keep it on the feet because Giagos, I'm guessing, will try to wrestle him. And Giagos is a solid wrestler. But Gaston has been a little bit sus. And Bahamondes, Gaston has looked solid so far. I, I think he hit tired a little bit against Klein. But he got wrestled by Klein and I would expect Giagos to be like... Maybe not stronger, but bigger and a better wrestler than than Klein. The thing with Giagos is that he he has been knocked out a few times. And Bamondas like not a huge puncher, but he's a dangerous kicker. And he could surprise like when you start getting like when the chins start to go, you can get hurt. But it's cool matchmaking. Amanda Hivas is fighting Rose Namajunas in a main event. Uh in the Apex, I think. And and yeah, I like I like this fight a lot. I think Hivas looked very solid in her last fight, uh, coming back for the win big time. And Rose, like, I'm guessing this is strawweight, right? And Rose uh, didn't look that bad against uh, Fioro. I mean, she looked like a bit like she didn't quite have the game plan, and also like uh, she had trouble with the size. And she was a bit rusty. So we'll see, we'll see. But this one is interesting because uh, I would expect Rose to be like the better boxer by a good margin. But but Rivas is like resourceful. He goes hard. He gets on your face, and you know like Rose doesn't really like that. And if they grapple, this is going to be great because both are very very good grapplers. So yeah, I think this one is going to be a good fight. Uh, Norma Dumont is fighting Jermaine Durandamy and. This is no joke. I think this fight slaps. I, I like Norma Dumont striking. I like Jermaine Durandamy striking. They're going to bang. It's going to be fun. Both girls can crack for sure. So yeah, I mean, it's good. It's good. good fight. It's a good fight. You know, none of you will believe me, but this is a good fight. Uh, I don't know if I talked about this, but Albasi was supposed to fight uh, Brandon Moreno. Bass is injured, Brandon Royval is filling in, Moreno probably going to win here, get another title shot, I'm so tired about all the rematches, especially at flyweight, every fight is a rematch, we missed a bullet, we dodged a bullet with, um, with Manal Cap, <laughs> not making weight, because he was supposed to rematch, like, uh, Nicolau, and if Cap won there, like, 
Cap versus Pantoja is also a rematch. This is a rematch. If the winner here gets a title shot, that's another rematch. <laughs> In the case, if, if it's Royal versus Pantoja, it's the third time we see that. If it's Moreno versus Pantoja, it's the fourth time we see that. It's... Uh, I don't blame Random Moreno, by the way. I think, obviously, he takes the fight. Uh, if he gets offered big fights, why would he say no? If he feels like he's at the top of his game still. Obviously, this is nothing against the fighters. The fighters just take the fights that they are offered. But man, man, man. I wish they tried to get, like, Mokayev or, like, in there against Moreno. Or, like, I don't know, man. It's so many rematches. Trey Ogden is fighting Kurt Holovov. Trey Ogden put on the fight of his life and last time out and he was robbed of a finish because the, the ref uh, declared a submission before the tap. Very sad for Ogden. But he looked very solid there. And Kurt Holovov, he's coming off winning tough and he looked very good against... Um, What's his name? Um, I like that guy a lot, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Kurt Holovov looked very solid and... And yeah, it will be interesting because Ogden seems to be turning into this very like process-driven fighter with takedowns and the such. And uh, Kurt Holobow is like just a big puncher uh, with a solid guillotine, solid jiu-jitsu. We'll see if Ogden is able to like hold him down. I expect Holobow to have a decent advantage on the feet. But Ogden looked very improved on the feet too, so this is a, a cool fight. Alexander Hernandez is staying at featherweight and he's fighting... Uh, Damon Jackson, good fight, good test for Alex, uh, I think this is the kind of fight that Hernandez wins, but Damon Jackson is, Damon Jackson is a nasty dude, like, it's weird, because they are getting, they are giving Hernandez, like, every time, like, an easier version of the, of the Billy Q, like, they start with Billy Q, then they move him to, to the other, to Bill Aldio, to the other Billy, and he was still not good enough to win that one. I mean, this is a very complicated matchup for him. And now they give him Damon Jackson. Who Damon Jackson is like just like Bill Aldo, but uh, a little... Not just as good, but... <laughs> it's weird. It's weird matchmaking what they're doing with Hernandez. But it's a solid fight. Julio Arce, uh, our boy, is returning to featherweight. And he's fighting Herbert Burns, who is fucking huge. Uh, but Herbert Burns... Not very good, but dangerous. So, yeah, I mean, I hope Julio Arce puts it together. He looked kind of done in his last two fights. But maybe it was the weight cut, maybe moving up to featherweight. Despite not being, like, a super big dude, but his first, first run at, at featherweight was pretty good. Just losing to Hakim in a boy-on-boy -boy violence fight. But, yeah, just hoping Julio Arce looks good again. He's, like, very fun to watch. Randy Brown and Muslim Salikov are getting rescheduled. They were supposed to fight in the last pay-per-view last, last year. They're fighting now in February. And yeah, this is a good fight. I'll talk about it in the full preview. Uh, Brad Riddell, who was suppo uh, supposedly, apparently, he was supposed to be retired. He's coming back and he's fighting Thiago Moises. Um, interesting. Interesting because... Like Moises maybe submits him, but if he stays on the field, like Moises did look a bit shaky against uh, Benoit Saint-Denis, so I like this fight. This one is good. This one is alright. It's a bit of a striker versus grappler, but not really. Uh, Moises is probably going, 
want to throw back hard at Riddell. Uh, fight between both stocky dudes and you know those tend to be violent. Uh, these guys are going to exchange, they're going to get the, the range that they want. I hope Riddell wins this one to be honest, I like Riddell, I think he's very fun to watch. And I hope the time off uh, has like has been good for him to look good again. We have China versus China. Zhang Weili is fighting Yan Xiaonan at UFC 300. Uh, I think it's very weird to not make this fight in China, to be honest. Like it's like the UFC just like does weird shit. They're doing. Just using this as a filler fight and a pay-per-view. And it's not going to do much for Wei Li as a star. I think this this fight was... You needed to make this one on China, I think. It, it would have been huge. Uh, not that the MMA is like insanely popular, but you have like a uh, championship fight with both girls being Chinese. I mean, I, I think they dropped the ball here. It's a good fight though. It's a good fight. Like, I hope just like Jan Xiaonan has level up her grappling because if not, uh, maybe Wei Li has a very easy path to victory there. But if they strike on the feet, it would, it could get very very interesting. What else we have? Jabit Basharat is fighting Ayman Sahabi, and this one is interesting because not trying to be rude here. But like, Basharat is like a very like, like on the GSP mode, like, like jab and takedown, that kind of stuff. And Tristar had been trying to produce that kind of fighter for a while. Sahabi, not that kind of fighter, turning more, most into like this rounded counter puncher as of late. But I think this is a, ma a bad matchup for him. But on the other, on the flip side, like Tristar knows this style, so maybe his brother can like, put together a game plan here for Ayman to deal with Javid, but I am favoring Javid big time early. Shidi Njukwani is fighting Riz McKee. Uh, not sure if this is uh, welterweight or middleweight. Hopefully it's McKee moving up because Shidi should not be trying to make 170. Not at this age, especially. Uh, but yeah, I mean, lanky on lanky violence and those also tend to be very violent. Uh, it's a good scrap. Claudio Puelles is firing Faresiam. Uh, last chance to Puelles to like stop being like a guy that just drops for the ankles and hope for the best. And because he was like decent striker, and I think oh, the confidence on his grappling is a bit shot right now. And he's fighting a way better uh, striker than him in Faresiam. So. So yeah, I mean, it's classic striker versus grappler, where the grappler will have to show some striking shots if he wants to have any success here. Because Poyes is not that good of a wrestler, so he needs to to close the gap there. Uh, Strawway matchup between Cody McKenna and Jacqueline Amorim is also booked. Uh, this one, like, low-key, like, kind of good. Uh, Cody McKenna is solid, and Amorim also, like, solid, so... Uh, I I would expect like a, a number next to the girl that's winning this fight. Uh, and then we have something funny. Jairzinho uh, uh, Roysenstroik was uh, signed to fight uh, Shamil Gassiev 
on UFC Saudi Arabia, but Saudis were they postponed the whole event because they did not like the card. Like they they saw the card and they were like, "Come on, Dana, we need we need something better than this bullshit. Uh, do not do not come fuck with us with this uh, apex ass card. Like get us some big names, maybe a title shot, and we can we will talk. Uh, don't bring." Don't ever bring to a do. Don't ever come to us again with that little bullshit, you fat, bald, fucking fraud. I think that's where that's that was word by word what the Saudis said to Dana. And Dana said like, "Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm a fucking goof." He said something like that, and and he fucked off. And we will end. Uh, we will end it on that note. That's the podcast. That's that's the whole thing. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoy. And we'll catch you in a few days when we come back with the full preview. When I will be talking about every single matchup announced for the pay-per-view. And then they cancel like two of them. So uh, all the, the tape watching was in vain because that's something that happens very often. Before leaving, I want you guys to remember that the early print podcast is brought to you by X Marshall. X Marshall is a combat sport brand dedicated to supporting the jiu-jitsu community. Their goal is to create a fun training environment with unique and exciting designs and promote the gym culture we all love. X Marshall offers a range of products including rash guards, shorts, spats, skis, streetwears, and training equipment. Use code THEFIGHTSIDE at to get a 10% discount at your order now, that's the fight site, all caps, no spaces. And for the best deals and discounts, sign up to the mailing list and follow their socials at xmarshallofficial. Thank you, xmarshall. And remember, guys, that if you want to support the fight site as an ongoing project, get access to a lot of uh, exclusive content and uh, also access to our very fun Discord server. You can support us on Patreon. The links, the links are in the description. For only $3 a month, you can get access to the Discord and a big backlog of exclusive content that you cannot find anywhere else. That's it for today, guys. Thank you so much. I'm Fenio, signing out.